All right, hey, Justin here with Stay at Home Dads Podcast, where I talk about a lot of uh, stuff, parenting stuff, guy stuff, many different topics that happen to enter my mind. So let's get this episode started with a little uh, on-this-day shenanigans, shall we? All right, so on this day, March 25th, 1965, MLK Jr. and other civil rights leaders completed a march from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama. 25,000 people had showed up to this march, and they had previously been halted by local police. I guess it was a pretty, uh, pretty rough experience. And these events actually became a landmark in the civil rights movement and directly led to the passage of the Voting Rights Act of 1965. There was actually another march on this day in 1894 by a guy named Coxie. He marched from Ohio to D.C. to petition Congress about unemployment stuff. So see, this country has been marching all the time. I think some people want to act like these current events or current things going on in marches and protests and everything are abnormal. Well, they're not. So maybe some of the uh, the bad stuff is abnormal. Some of the, the police burning cars, is that abnormal? I don't know. But, you know, people get behind a cause and they believe in it and sometimes they march for it. So there you go. All right, so on a lighter note, today in 1954, RCA actually put out the first color TV. I bet that blew people's minds back then. I bet it just, I don't know, they were like, what are we seeing, you know? The thing cost $1,000 and had a 12 and a half inch screen, so it wasn't very big, pretty little. But you must have been balling back then if you had one of these, because $1,000 in 1954 is what 10500 would be today. So I imagine not many people had these things. They were probably like the new 8K TVs that are coming out today. They're super expensive and not very many people have them, but they're badass. I mean, the average house back then was $18,000. So if you think a house costs eighteen grand, I bet there's not a lot of people spending $1,000 for that fancy color TV set, right? So... I don't know. It's kind of cool, though. All right. Famous divorce happened. Uh, 2005, the oh-so-wonderful Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt, power couple, right? Well, stick a fork in them. They're done. After four and a half years in uh, 2005, they got divorced. He got busy cuddling up to uh, Angelina Jolie on the set of, what was that movie? The Smiths? Meet the Smiths? Spies? Something? I don't know that they were in together. He uh, was busy uh, strumming her guitar, if you know what I mean. So, uh, yeah, they uh, called it quits. All right, so a little follow-up from last week. I know you're most likely tired of hearing me talk about feelings and validating feelings and my child struggling a bit, but... I have been trying to do what I had talked about, validating my daughter's feelings, and I feel like that's not getting me anywhere. It's not any better. Uh, I try to validate as she gets upset or frustrated, and I try to relate with her, and I try to get her to talk to me, and I really think I just make shit worse. I really do. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's how I come off. Maybe I ask too many questions. 
maybe my face paints a different picture, but I feel like it all just ends up in the same place. I end up going down that path of telling her that she needs to make sure she's not so negative and doesn't have such a terrible outlook, and I feel like I get into that either fix parent mode that I talked about last week or the kind of upset parent where I'm frustrated because I am and I'm running out of things to console her or to get her attitude better. And so I just don't know what to do there. She's given me some pretty good glares a couple times. I got some nice ones today, I'll be honest. So... I think my approach is still wrong. It's frustrating, like I said. I don't know, I'm just struggling here, I guess. So, But one upside is my wife actually shared an article with me that may shed some light on maybe what's going on here. It's off of, what, parents, parent.com, parents.com, something like that. I'll link it, like I always do, so you can check it out. But it talks about adrenarchy, or adrenarch. I don't even know if I'm saying that correctly. But what that is, is a surge in hormones that can happen before puberty between the ages of 6 and 8 or 6 and 10 or something like that. Well, my daughter will be 8 here in a few months. So maybe my wife is kind of onto something here. So my wife did actually get my 7-year-old, Olivia, to open up to her a bit after school the other day. She had a little rough arrival when she got home, and Megan talked to her, and Olivia said that she didn't really know why she was frustrated and angry. She had no idea. She just felt that way. Well, this article states that children may have no idea why they feel the way they feel, and this is a a natural thing that happens to kids, but not all kids will have a mood change from it. They say that going through puberty is something that happens on the outside of the body. Well, before that this adrenarch thing is hormones that are flowing inside the body affecting how a child feels and how they process emotions. So turning our sweet little kids into angry, upset, tearful balls of energy, I guess. Oh, and last week too, I referenced kids turning into emotionless serial killers and I had a little afterthought about it, and I don't really think I should have said that. That's not a good comparison. Even though I was joking and I was making a joke, maybe it wasn't conveyed that way. No one said anything to me, by the way. I just kind of thought about it, and I was like, you know what? Maybe that's not the best uh, way to word that. So I should not compare my kids to serial killers. And I just wanted to say that. So I just wanted to kind of clear the air. So anyways, I will try to navigate this and hopefully it's temporary and we kind of get through this and there's smooth sailing on the other side. So, all right, moving on here, moving on. What I wanted to kind of get into today was nothing about any of that, actually. It's actually an area that I've been struggling with lately and now getting back into it, and that has to do with my diet and fitness and staying on top of my health. So a little snapshot of kind of my 
health journey, I guess. I don't know what to call it, but I've always worked out. I've worked out for years, always going to the gym all the time, but I never really took any of it seriously until three years ago, and that's when we moved here to Indiana. My buddy Andrew got me into a workout program, and I started doing that, and I got into probably the best shape of my life at, what, three years ago, 36 years old. So I lost weight. I, I got pretty lean. I got a six-pack, you know, the things that uh, all middle-aged guys strive for. I got one. I was excited. I was happy. I felt great. Um, but gosh, I do, I do remember all those days prior. I was working my mechanic job in Vegas. I would come home. I would be with the family. Then we would get the girls down to bed, and then I would get up, and I would head to the gym in the evening after dinner, work out for, I don't know, hour, hour and a half, then come home hang out with my wife for a little bit, and then go to bed, and then do the thing all over again the next day. Repeat, repeat, repeat. And I thought it was on the right track, and I wasn't. I never saw progress. I never really changed in weight. Granted, my diet wasn't modified like it is today, so I guess in all reality, I just wasted those years working out for no reason, and uh, I didn't get anywhere, so... But I don't know, maybe it's my age. Like I said, I've kind of been struggling a little bit. I am almost 40. Maybe my body is getting a little tired of doing some things. I've been dealing with a lot of random injuries for the past year or more. I dealt with an elbow issue for a long time. Then that forced me to take a break. Then it was knee issues. I thought I tore something like an MCL or something in my knee. And I had so much pain, I couldn't really kneel down or do certain exercises, and it totally sucked. I actually had an MRI on it, and I went to the doctor a bunch, and then I ended up going to therapy, and it actually ended up being a bunch of inflammation in the muscles and imbalances in the muscles, but that also forced me to take a break. Stupid, you know, it's just more shit that just slows you down, slows down your progress. Well, now, recently, I'm dealing with bicep tendon issues or something. It hurts doing about any weight, doing bicep curls. So, I don't know. I don't know what to do without that. It's just something else to make me take another break or or take it easy, I guess. So, And that's kind of what I'm afraid of. Is it always going to be something? Is that just what happens when we get older? Things get harder and more things crop up. We can't push ourselves as hard as we think we can in our heads. It just gets, I don't know, speaking of feelings, it just gets so frustrating and irritating. But I'm going to try to work through it. I'm going to try to lighten things up and keep going, keep pushing. Maybe I have bad form. I don't know. There's there's a lot of things that I still don't know about exercise and fitness, so... There's a lot of room for growth is what I'm saying. And I think this happens to a lot of people. They get going and something happens. And sometimes it turns into an excuse to stop or to quit. Maybe it's injury or maybe it's going on vacation. You know, I've, I've dealt with that a lot. I think a lot of people do. You work out, you're, you're on a great routine, and then you're going to go to Florida for a week. And you tell yourself you're going to go to the gym and you tell yourself you're going to 
eat well and eat healthy and do that and, and limit your alcohol intake. And you don't. And you hardly go to the gym. And then you blow your diet out for seven days because you don't have that willpower, I guess. You just kind of succumb to the vacation lifestyle. So I know it happens to me. Or maybe you tell yourself you don't have time to work out. You're tired after work or you're tired after doing stuff with the kids. Or maybe you're not seeing results fast enough. There's a multitude of things that even I myself use as an excuse. So, And remember, I'm no gym coach, trainer, doctor, any of that shit. I'm just a guy with an opinion. And I could use my downs, my struggles, as a reason to quit, to stop working out. Just because I have some injury come up doesn't mean that I dump on my diet and start all over in a week or two. And I used to do that too, actually pretty regularly. I would I would work out for two or three weeks and then for some reason, vacation maybe or tiredness or whatever, I would stop. And if I would fall off of the exercise regimen, I would also fall off the diet. It just kind of went hand in hand for me. And then I would be off for a week and there goes my diet. And then I would get back on and be like, oh, I'm going to be good and then start all over again. So it was this vicious cycle for me. So I finally got over that, you know, by getting into a workout program and changing my diet. So I actually figured that I would give some tips here, maybe help you begin your health journey, or maybe you started and you need some motivation to keep going. Some unsolicited advice, I guess. So these are just some personal things that I try to keep in my mind and things that I've kind of, that have helped me uh, over time here. So the first one would be, what's your goal? Make yourself a goal. So do you want to lose a little bit of weight? Do you want to get really lean? Do you want to build muscle and become jacked out of your gourd, some crazy monster? Are you uh, a skinny guy that doesn't have a lot of definition? Maybe you don't like to take your shirt off at the pool. I don't know. Do you want to get all sauced up and go that route? I don't, I don't know. It could be anything. So do you want to get fit and be more appealing to the opposite sex? Which I think is totally fine if that's your goal, if that's a reason that gets you motivated to work out and eat healthy. It's, a, it's, it's actually kind of important. It's good to be appealing to your spouse. Or if you're dating even, what's the first thing you notice about someone? How they look? how they appeal to you, right? You're not going to see that they have a nice personality just by looking at them. And I don't think I'm being out of line here, am I? I'm just being honest. I mean, what did I notice about my wife that one fateful evening when I saw her at the bar? It wasn't her amazing personality. It wasn't her dedication to her biology major in college. It was her cute ass in some white pants. So just that's, that's what it is, physical attraction. But anyways, I think it's important in this whole journey. What's your goal? And that's sometimes a hard question to answer. Goals can change. You may not know what your goal is. You may just feel gross. And you may just feel like you need a change. And that's, you know, that's, that's a goal right there, I guess. I would like to gain another 20 pounds of sweet, sweet muscle and get all jacked up, you know. But is that going to happen? I, I don't know. Maybe. Probably not probably just be the same me that I am now and maintain what I have, you know? I mean, I think that stuff gets harder the older you get. And social media plays a big part in all this too, what people's goals are, 
we see these amazing people online, amazing fitness journeys, people that lost a bunch of weight and look amazing, or guys that are huge and have chiseled bodies. And I mean, Jesus, there's tons of those guys and gals on there. I think it's go scroll through Instagram. It's like every fifth slide rippling abs and backs and stuff. And it's just, it's just wild. And sometimes what's hard to realize is that that's not necessarily real life. That's a small percentage of the population that looks like that or has the ability to look like that. Sure, it's great to uh, use these specimens as motivation to help us lose weight or get into peak physical shape, but don't fall into that rabbit hole of comparing yourself to them and getting down on yourself because you've been busting your ass for months, if not years, and you don't look like Dwayne Johnson or somebody else that's, I don't know, that you idolize, whatever. I mean, I don't know. That guy's pretty sweet. So anyways, get your goal. I would say a realistic goal, bite-sized goal. Me personally, I don't usually like the goals of lose X amount of weight in X amount of time. I think that can set people up for failure or people may be a little too ambitious. And then when stuff doesn't happen as fast as they think it should, then here creeps in the excuse, you know, to stop. I'm not seeing the results I want to see. And then that's deflating in some respects. So I don't know, start with something small, start with something like, Hey, I'm going to work out three days a week. Or if you're not working out, maybe you're going to go for a walk five times a week and you just go for a walk around your neighborhood or something. And this all depends on your activity level and your ability, stuff like that. Or even with diet goals. I mean, there's Tons of stuff out there you could do for that as well. I'm only going to eat out at a restaurant twice a week. Or I'm only going to drink two sodas today instead of four sodas today. Or whatever else may be problematic for you. Kind of look at that. I mean, you kind of get the point here. And speaking of the diet, I know it's probably harder than actually going to the gym. Well, I know it's harder than going to the gym. And I'm proof of that because for years I worked out and I never changed how I ate. I just ate the same shit every day. Ate Pop-Tarts and didn't measure food and overate pasta and whatever else. It's the most important part of the whole thing. A lot of people can change their body composition just by diet changes. I know people that have done it. They didn't do much for working out. They changed how they ate and it changed their whole composition. Like the experts say, abs are made in the kitchen, right? I don't know who says that, but I've heard that everywhere. So that's why I weigh all the food that I eat. Well, for the most part, I do. And I know some people are going to scoff at that and hate that, but that's what works for me. I actually even asked my wife before I recorded this podcast, I said, hey, Megan, what diet tip would you want to share with just anybody? What would you want to share just to get a little different opinion or perspective? And the first thing she said was write down everything you eat. And she doesn't do it like I do it. She she just does it a different way. But she said, write it all down. It keeps you honest. You know exactly what your intake is. Just write it down. That's what she told me. So that's another tip right there. If you have the ambition, because I know it's kind of difficult and the pain in the ass, but log your food. There are a few different apps out there that help you with this. 
to make it not so confusing and so hard. I actually used to do it by hand right when I started this whole thing three years ago. I was writing down everything I ate. I would weigh it and I would write it down, but I didn't realize there was an app out there. So I would write down everything in a notepad and then at the end of the day, I would go to my computer and I would cross-reference everything with some websites I could find and see what my calorie intake was. And it was a pain in the ass until my sister or my wife told me that there was this app that I could get. So it made it a lot easier. So log your food, see what you're eating, see what your intake is. If that tends to be too difficult to do on a regular basis, then maybe just start with eating what you normally eat. Eat what you eat, but weigh everything and log it just for like a day, just one day. This can be very eye-opening for some people. They may realize that they are eating way too much of one thing or not enough of another. As far as proteins, fats, and carbs, that's your your macros you hear people talk about. I mean, it's even been eye-opening for me. I actually had a piece of pie the other night. It was one of those Edwards pies that you get in the freezer section. And I cut myself a nice piece, standard piece, right? And I ate it, and... uh, I did weigh it, and then I scanned the box, and that one piece of pie that I had, the Edwards, what was it? Edwards uh, cheesecake, something like that. There was, no, what was it? Hold on, let me find it. Okay, in the one piece of pie I had, there was 28 grams of fat in my pie, and 67 grams of carbs in one slice of pie. Granted, it was kind of a, not a big piece, It wasn't a quarter, and it wasn't like an eighth. It was like a little bit bigger, but still, it was was surely eye-opening that that little piece of pie had that much stuff packed into it. So you may find yourself doing that if you just decide to log yourself for one day just to kind of see where you're at. And if you want to find out what you should be eating in that aspect of your macros and stuff. If you want to get into that, you need to find yourself a good macro calculator. And the one I like to use is on this website called rippedbody.com. I'll link it in the description. And I actually think I've talked about Andy. It's the guy that runs this website and owns this website. I think I've talked to him about him before. He has a really nice macro calculator and he has a ton of articles and information that's really helpful on his website. It talks about proteins, it talks about workout regimens, it talks about diet stuff, it talks about supplements, it, a ton of stuff, easy to read, just check it out. If you have some time, check out his website, do some reading, check out the macro calculator, it'll kind of give you a starting point as to, you know, what you should be eating in that aspect, so. All right, a few other tips I have here is meal prepping. A lot of people swear by it, they dial in all their meals, they have all this bulk food ready to go with the perfect amounts of proteins and fats and carbs and all that stuff. And I think it's great to do that. And I think it's really helpful and it makes it very easy, but I, I don't do that at all. I, uh, I don't, I don't meal prep. I've never cooked like that. And I seem to be doing all right with my diet. I guess we do plan our meals for the week. We do like a week ahead, but I don't cook, I don't know, five cups of rice and four pounds of chicken and then eat that all for the week. I don't, I don't do that. And maybe a lot of that has to do with me being a stay at home parent. I have plenty of time to go to the store and 
make meals every day and kind of fly by the seat of my pants, I guess. Could my diet be better in that aspect? Probably. Sure, it could. Sometimes I'll check my macros towards the end of the day in the evening, and I'll see that I'm short somewhere. And I tend to try to catch up and fill up those categories. And then I, I end up doing a lot of late night or evening eating, which I don't think is the, the best option. I think I need to change that, but that's a kind of a downfall of my own. All right, another thing I have said in the past, and I'll mention it again here today, is that it's okay to feel a little bit hungry at times. I'm not saying to go starve yourself and feel miserable with a grumbling stomach all day every day. I just think that we tend to eat at the first sign of any feeling of hunger. And I don't think that's, honestly, I don't think that's really necessary. Humans seem to have gotten to a point where we need everything to be just perfect. We need to be satisfied and satiated all the time. Full bellies, perfect temperatures, fast food immediately, immediate satisfaction. You kind of know what I mean? So yeah, I think it's okay that you feel a little bit of those hunger pangs. Pangs? Pains? I don't, what is it? I don't even know. Is it pangs or pains? Anyway, so that's where a little willpower kind of comes into play. Ignore those feelings. It's okay to be a little uncomfortable. I mean, have you ever jumped into the shower right when you turn it on to kind of endure that cold water for 20 seconds until it warms up? I do that sometimes, and I don't know. I think it's good to just get out of that cozy comfort zone sometimes. It's, I don't know, strain, stress your body a little bit. All right, now this may be kind of a stupid one or an obvious one, but when you go shopping, try to say no to the bad foods at the store. And I know that sounds pretty simple, but the things that you know are bad or that you have a hard time controlling yourself from eating at home Myself, I can't have cookies and chocolate in my house. I can't. I can't stay out of them. I eat one Oreo, and by the evening, it turns into five. And there's a bunch of uh, shit calories that I just ate. So, But if we can kind of bypass those things when you're shopping and not even bring them into your house, then you're going to be much better off because you're not going to have that temptation lingering over your head, right? I know it sounds super simple, but... You know, if you're if you're really wanting to do this and set yourself up for success, then you got to do the simple things. Now, if you feel like you have no time to work out, can't squeeze your workouts in or whatever, try to plan out your day. I know I've talked about this before as well, trying to, I don't know what episode it was. It was a while ago. I don't realize how much time I literally waste some days watching the news in the morning, sitting on my phone, scrolling through the social. It's a time suck. It just... Before you know it, it, you start at 7 o'clock, and then before you know it, it's 9.30, and you've burned up a ton of time. So if I write down or I tell myself that, okay, watch the news until 7.30, and then immediately get up and go to the gym, I will usually do it instead of not putting that time limit on myself, and then I just get up whenever I feel like it, and then I just sit there and I waste half the day. It's just something, another simple thing that you can do that uh, will kind of motivate you if you write down a schedule to kind of keep. Plus this workout program I do is called Beachbody. I know you've probably heard of it, maybe not, but it's pretty popular. It's also pretty simple. They have a lot of multi-week programs on there and it's also honestly 
pretty cheap. I think we pay $99 a year for it, and it's an app. You can put it on your phone. You can put it on your, your Fire Stick or on your TV or whatever, and both me and the wife use it. I also pay for a gym membership to a gym, but a lot of their workouts you could easily do from home with a limited amount of weights if you, if you wanted to. Then if you didn't have time to go to the gym, you could do them at home with a couple of weights. And there are tons of different programs, multi-week programs on there. And are they the best? Probably not. But for someone just beginning or a novice person like myself that doesn't really know how to build a workout program of my own, I think it's just fine. And here is actually my last tip, I think, anyways, is it doesn't really matter what the program is whether it's Beachbody or Peloton's workout programs or even going on YouTube and finding some multi-week thing on there, as long as you stick with it and follow it, you will see results over time. Not in a week, maybe not in a month, but over time you will definitely notice some improvement if you stick to your workout regimen and if you change your diet. They go hand in hand. And eventually, you may grow out of the simple programs and the simple moves like something on Beachbody, and you may want more equipment or your routines you may want to have longer. And then in that case, you'll just have to move on and find something that fits what you want to do. Or you could do what I do, and I do the Lift 4 program on the Beachbody app, and then I immediately do a few other exercises that I kind of add in myself to kind of extend my workout a little bit. Oh, and most of the Beachbody stuff, the sessions on there are about 35 to 40 minutes. So that's how long the workouts are. And some are only four days a week. That Lift 4 program is only four days a week. So no excuses for exercising, taking too much of your time. It's four days a week, 35 to 40 minutes. So it's not that big a deal. But like I said, there's always things to learn in this area of life. Gut health actually is one I really want to learn more about and how to make that work in my favor, I guess. I just listened to a podcast and they went into pretty good detail about gut health and what it means and what it kind of does. So I kind of want to dive a little deeper on that. Also stretching too. I almost forgot. Stretching is is another big one. I learned in my physical therapy for my knee that stretching is crazy important. Daily stretching, yoga, Something just simple to get some of that movement back. Something you could just sit down in the evening and you could watch TV with a spouse and you could sit there with a band and, and stretch your legs out or whatever. We do a lot of sitting. All, all humans do a lot of sitting and I bet most of us don't do any, if at all, stretching. So that's a really good habit to get into. Oh, another thing I did want to mention real quick was alcohol. I have cut out alcohol a lot, not completely out of my life, but I have limited the amount of alcohol I drink. I don't really miss it. I don't miss being totally annihilated. Um, but yeah, that's another thing. If, uh, if you want to lose weight and you want to do good on a diet, you might want to take a hard look at your alcohol intake and also follow your diet seven days a week. I've heard of people where they'll follow their diet perfect Monday to Friday and then when Saturday and Sunday roll around they're maybe partying they're eating out to dinner they're doing a bunch of stuff and just those two days can derail your diet to where all that stuff all that hard work you do all week long you kind of piss it away on the weekend so don't make that mistake either so 
All right, I think I've about talked enough, so that's about all I have to say in this episode of Stay at Home Dads. There's probably more that I would like to get into and talk about, but that'll have to wait for another episode or something where I've got a little more time. Anyways, let me know what you think. Do you have any tips for me? Anything that uh, you think I could use? Well, if you do, let me know. You could shoot me a message on podbean.com or on my social media. It's all linked below. I would uh, I'd love to hear from you. This stuff is all really important, though. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's very important. The older we get, the harder it will be. So, anyways, thanks for listening. Grab this podcast on most of the big platforms, Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify. And I will talk to you next week. See you later.